Yo, what's up, H12? What's up, all seven of you? What's up, H12? Yes, it's much better. It's much better. I mean, coming off dig and all the excitement, energy, and all that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm glad we still got it. I'm glad we're still alive. Now, uh, who got behind the, uh, the accident coming in? Anybody? Get, yeah, oh, man, I heard it was awful. I heard it was awful. I know a lot of people uh, weren't able to make it tonight, and so you guys tell everybody else about how awesome tonight is tonight. And listen, you want to make sure that you get here next week. You want to make sure that you invite everybody here next week. I'm so excited about what God is going to do here next week. Like, I can't even hardly stand it. Like, seriously, like, if you know someone that does doesn't know Jesus, they need to be here next week. All right, so I'm just going to lay that out here up front to you. Now, let me first just say this as well. Man, thank you guys so much for being here. I think that one of the most mature things that you can do in your life is to discover, to find out who God is, and to find out what He has for your life, what He would want for you, how you can live your life for Him. And I realize, and I believe this wholeheartedly for at the core of everything that I am, that I believe that God desires for you to have a full life. Jesus tells us that in John 10, 10. I believe that God has a peace-filled life for you, a joy-filled life for you. God has something for you that is far greater than you can ever imagine for yourself. And that starts with a, a real, deep, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. That is the beginning. That is the, the core of all of it. And, and, and we're going to be discovering that throughout this series because here's the deal. Some of us talk like, man, I've been around church. I'm a Christian. I'm this, I'm that, or whatever. And some of us are like, man, I've never even been in this thing in my entire life. This is the first night I've ever even been to a service like this or whatever. Like, dude, I don't even know what the heck you're talking about. Who is Jesus? What's this thing you're talking about? I want to ask you to hang in there over these next four weeks. I want you to, to just think about and discover what God would have for you through this series because I believe that it's going to be transformational for you. It's going to be life-changing for you. What I'm going to talk about next week, a piece of it, is something that God has been teaching me just this week about my relationship with Him and dependence on Him. It is that fresh that though I've been a Christian since I was 17, I'm 32 years old now, 15 years later, God is still teaching me new depths and layers to the love that he has for me and what this relationship with him looks like. And I'm so excited to get that out to you next week, but, but I believe that God has something big for you. And I want you to stick it out and say, listen, this is what I want to ask you to do. Tonight, as I would say every night. And keep your phones in your pockets, your notes from passing, and from whispering to your neighbor. And lock in and engage. Because tonight I'm going to give you guys an overview. I'm going to give you an overview of the home run life, what it all is and what it all means. PK, our senior pastor, talked about this on Sunday morning. A lot of people were, were away at dig, and some people were away on other different things. And so a lot of people didn't get to hear it. So I'm actually going to show you guys here in a little bit a clip from Sunday of him teaching through uh, some of the home run life stuff. And we're going to do a recap and overview. And the reason we're going to do that tonight is because the next four weeks hinge on the understanding of what we're going to be talking about tonight. So you got to get this so you can really get these next four weeks because the next four weeks I'm just going to brush over it at the beginning so you can get the concept and then I'm going to dive into each one of the bases in this home run life in this home run life teaching so you guys ready to get after it all right well let's do it this is the first thing I want to start out with tonight I want you to think about your future 
do you ever think about your future? See, when, when I think about my future, and most of us, when we think about our future, we think about our future like more in terms of hours than necessarily years, right? Like you're like, mm, what am I going to wear tomorrow? And hopefully that's the girls. Hopefully that's, hopefully no guys are saying that. Or we think about, man, what am I going to eat when I leave from here tonight? Man, where am I going to stop and get some food when I leave? Any, any food people in the house? Y'all like some food? Man, every week after age 12, like it is my routine. It is finding the place that I'm going to eat. I think about that every week. I'm like, all right, Taco Bell, I'm just craving Taco Bell. That's where I'm going tonight. You know what I'm saying? And, like, and so we think about our future a lot of times more in, in hours than necessarily years. But, but I want us just, to, just for a minute to think about where you, what, what things do you want to see? What are the hopes that you have for your life 10 years from today like if you're 14 years old then when you're 24 years old if you're 18 when you're 28 years old like when you're 24 28 25 26 whatever that number is what are the things that you hope to be true about your life at that time just think about that for a second now while you're thinking about that this is a dangerous thing what I'm about to say because I can lose you really easy, but we're going to be mature tonight, and I'm not going to lose you tonight, because when I say bring it back in, I want you to bring it back in. But this is what I want you to do. Those things that you hope to be true about your life 10 years from now, in just maybe a sentence or a couple words, I want you to look to the, your, one of your neighbors that is sitting beside you, and I want you to tell them two of those things that you hope to be true about your life. Go ahead. All right, bring it in. Bring it in. Now, I... I, I don't know what you guys were just saying to each other, but, but there were probably things like, man, I, I, hope, to, I hope to be, you know, um, in a good place in life. I hope to be making good money when I'm 28 years old. I hope maybe to have bought a house. I hope to have graduated college. I hope to have, have a good job. I hope to be married with 17 kids. Anybody? Let anybody? No, no, no. No, that's not true. You know, I, I hope to have these things. And, and this is what I found. This is what I found. When, when we look at our future, when we think about our future, when we think 10 years down the road, 15 years, we think five years down the road, something, I've, something that I've discovered about myself and something that I've discovered about other people is that when we hope and we think about the future, we always hope for good things. We always hope for positive things, right? Like no one's hoping that 10 years from now, man, I just really hope all my dreams go unfulfilled. God, if you could just let that happen. God, I just want to be a screw up. God, I just want to be homeless and live under a bridge. That's 10 years from now, like, that is the hope for my life. Like, none of us are thinking that way, right? And, and what I found is, is that not only, and, and what I found is that not only do, do, do we want to have success in the future of our life, but we also want to have success right now. We want to have success right now. Like, like we, don't, we don't want to, we, you know, no one's like getting on their knees before God and they're like, oh God. Could you please help me fail all my classes this year so I can repeat my grade? I just don't want to graduate. Please, God. I love high school so much. Please, God, would you please embarrass me in front of that really cute boy that I like so that he'll never talk to me? Just help me to sneeze and a big old snot rocket shoot out and go all over the place. God, please, please, God, let that happen to me. Right? Like, in life, we all want to win. We all want to be successful. 
We all do. We want to be successful in relationships. We want to be successful in school. We want to be successful in sports. We, we all want to win. And that is, that is a good thing to think about. It is good to want to be successful. But what happens is, in the home run life, is all about this pattern for living that God lays out in His Word. That typically we always run to success. That we always put success first. And so we see someone in a successful position or, or someone who's doing something great and we say, man, I, I want to be where that person is. The problem is, is that for most of us, we don't want to have to go through what that person had to go through to be where that person is. Let me say that again. When we see someone that's successful, we say, I want to be where that person is. But most of us don't want to have to go through all the pain and heartache and all the things that that person had to go through in order to be where that person is. And so what happens in life is we begin to cheat all sorts of things in our life in order to reach success and try to do it without having pain. And what I've learned is this, and I wrote this down, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, because I think this is a truth from God's Word, and and it's something that I have learned myself, and that's this. I think about my future. I think about the future that I want, and God prepares me for the future that he wants. I think about the future that I want, and God prepares me for the future that he wants. Now, I talked about answered prayer and unanswered prayer at Dig on Sunday morning, and I highlighted a little bit of, of, of this idea, but this is the truth, that God wants better for you than you want for you. God wants the best for you. Of all that you can dream in your life for your future 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, God wants better for you than you want for you. And you have to believe that. So even when you're going through difficult times in your life, you have to understand that maybe you're going through those times in your life and, 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 and you're, trying to, you, you're trying to figure out what God is trying to teach you. I, in fact, I ask God the question no matter what season I am in in my life. God, what are you trying to teach me? In this season. Because we all know that life has its ebbs and flows. Life has its ups and downs. That's an awesome marker. That does not work. Right? Life has its ebbs and flows. Life has its upside down. And and sometimes, man, we're on the mountaintop. Sometimes things are going great. Sometimes things are going great, we don't even realize it, but we are heading into a difficult season. We are heading into a valley. We don't even know it. Things are going great, and then all of a sudden we get news of someone in our family that has cancer, or divorce, or a broken relationship with a friend, or you get dumped by your boyfriend. That's sometimes a good thing. And, um, and so life has its ebbs and flows, and sometimes we're in the valley, and we never know when the breakthrough is, or what God's teaching us in, in this, and when we're going to be coming out of it. And this is what I know, that every person in this room is somewhere on this journey. You're either at the top of the mountain right now, when things are going great, you are heading, about to head into a season of difficulty, you're in the worst, most painful, difficult season of your life, you're heading out of a difficult season in your life, about to be on the, on the mountaintop as well. In fact, there's a, there's a teaching uh, on this or a way that you can look at it, and, uh, and it's, it's called the seasons of the soul. This summer is like the mountaintop, this high top experience, and, and sometimes we're, we're up in a summer, but then all of a sudden fall hits and we're heading towards winter, and then we have those winter months, but then spring hits, and spring is kind of this idea of coming out, and then we get back to summer. And life has this pattern, uh, uh, it just is what it is, and we all find ourselves in these positions, 
And if you could ask yourself the question, what is God trying to teach me through these moments, through these times? Man, it will change you. It will change the way you think about those times. Because you believe that God has better for you than you want for you. You believe the truth that, that man, what I want for my future, and when I think about my future, and, and I, I got this vision of what it looks like, but God is actually in the midst of that preparing me for this future that he has for me. And I trust that God's future for me is better than my future for me, so I'm going to press in and seek him so that I can see that future. And we see this pattern played out all throughout Scripture. Uh, uh, one of the, the passages that, that PK really hit this, this weekend um, and the story that he hit to kind of show this passage was the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph. We see the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. Joseph is, a, is an extremely important person and he lives in an extremely important family, an affluent family, an influential family. Everyone knew Joseph's family. His dad was Jacob. Jacob's name was later changed to Israel, and Jacob was the father of the nation of Israel. His 12 sons made up the 12 tribes of Israel, Joseph included. His his grandfather was Isaac. His great-grandfather was Abraham, the one who God had given these promises to. I mean, Joseph was an influential person. His family was in an influential place. They had tons of money. They lived in the nicest neighborhood in their county, if you could think of it that way. Everyone respected them. Everyone loved them. Joseph was on the mountaintop. He was at the top of his life. Joseph got a little cocky. See, he was the favorite. He was daddy's favorite. Jacob favored Joseph for some reason, and everyone else knew it. His brothers knew it. His dad gave him this coat, this elaborate coat that was adorned with different colors and different fabrics and different materials. And and, and his brothers got jealous of the fact that he had this coat. And then he has this dream. This dream in which his dad and his brothers, his entire family, and everyone is bowing down to him. And he is standing there. Now, This was a good dream for Joseph, but no one else wanted to hear about Joseph's dream. And so what does he do? He goes over to his brothers like everybody, and he begins to rub it in. Hey, guys, I had this dream, and uh, you know what I'm saying? You guys were were on your faces bowing down to me. And his brother's like, oh, okay. (laughs) I see what you're working with. I see what you're working with. So they begin to conspire against him. They begin to conspire against him, and they decided that they were going to kill him. They were going to take him out. But then a couple of his brothers spoke up and said, man, we can't kill him. Let's do something different. So they dug this massive pit while they were out working. And they threw him down in the pit. They took his robe, they smeared goat's blood on it, and they took it to his dad Jacob and said, man, a wild animal must have attacked him and killed him. Jacob was devastated that his favorite son had died. And they sold Joseph into slavery to Egypt. He, he literally went at 17 years old to, from in this high position of authority, this high position of, uh, in the community, uh, being affluent, rich, anything he wanted, could eat whatever he wanted, could hang out, could whatever, plenty of friends, to being a slave in Egypt, the lowest of the low. He was a slave. And during this time, God had to teach him dependence on him. He can no longer lean on his family. He can no longer lean on his influence. He can no longer lean on his finances, but he can only lean on God. 
And he began to lean on God, and God began to teach him some things through this difficult time. And, and Joseph honored God, and through this time, he began to rise up as a slave, as a trustworthy slave amongst the Egyptians. And he was placed into a home of Potiphar, a prominent official in the e Egyptian empire. Now Potiphar um, gave him a life of ease and, and loved Joseph. And so Joseph is back up here and, and he's, he's still a slave. So he's not quite as high as he used to be. But, but I mean he's rising up and things are going well for him in his life. And then it happened. Job is, Job, Joseph is, have I said Job already a couple times? All right, good. Joseph, Joseph, not Job. Joseph is now somewhere in his, his mid-twenties. He has no opportunities to get married. He has no opportunities for, for uh, you know, to have a little sweetie, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and Potiphar's wife thinks Joseph is just the cutest little thing ever. You know what I'm saying? And so Potiphar's wife comes over to old Joseph one day and she says, hey, how about you and me, you know what I'm saying? And Joseph says, nah, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. And uh, Joseph runs away. He runs away from the situation. See, he, he, would, he had learned dependence on God, but, but God was teaching him in this moment that, hey, listen, you got to do the right thing. And you got to do the right thing no matter how much it costs you. And you know what? It costs Joseph from doing the right thing. Potiphar's wife goes to Potiphar and says, Joseph tried to rape me. He tried to force himself on me to try to save face for herself. And so Joseph is then thrown into prison. That is rule 1041 why women have cooties and are evil and you should not date until you're 35 years old, man. That's, that, is, that is the reason. And so Joseph is thrown into prison and so things are going well for him and now he's, he's back down in the pit. He's back down in the pit. He's back down in prison because he did the right thing. He did the right thing and still trouble. Goddamn, you ever feel sometimes like, man, like I do the right thing all the time and bad stuff happens to me and other people around me, man, they're a bunch of punks and all this good stuff happens to them. You ever feel that way before? Man, I've felt that way before in my life. But let me tell you something. This is a truth that you need to get. You always do the right thing no matter how much it costs you. No matter how much it costs you. And sometimes it costs you. And you have friends that you don't want to disappoint because of their influence and pressure in your life. And so you give in to what they want for you instead of standing up for what God wants for you. And the reason you give in is because you're afraid it's going to cost you that friendship. You're afraid of that. You're afraid that you're going to be ridiculed, made fun of. You're afraid that you're going to be put down. You're afraid that you're going to lose status. Listen. You always do the right thing, no matter how much it costs you. And Joseph's thrown into prison. And why he's down in prison, why he's down in the pit, lower than he's ever been before, he meets a couple guys in there, and he begins to learn how to win relationships. He becomes friends with these guys. One of the guys has a dream. He interprets the dream in prison. Both of the guys end up getting out of prison. One of them's killed. The other one lives. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and instead of telling, uh, giving a good word for Joseph when they got out of prison, they completely forgot about Joseph. Joseph done them a favor, and, and they completely forgot about him. And years down the road, Pharaoh has a dream. He starts seeking wisdom from all the people. Hey, man, I need somebody to help me interpret this dream. And nobody can interpret the dream. And all of a sudden, one day, this guy remembers, oh, there's a guy in prison who interpreted a dream for us, uh, you know, years ago. And, and, and his name's Joseph. And so Pharaoh says, well, go get him. And they go get Joseph. And Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream and says, listen, there's going to be seven years of plentiful harvest. And then there's going to be seven years of famine on the land. 
Pharaoh's like, well, what are we supposed to do with that? I don't know what to do with that. I mean, how, how are we supposed to prepare for that? How can we stock up and store up in the times of harvest so that we can be prepared for the times of famine? And, and I don't know how to do that. So Joseph, you sound like you know what you're talking about. I'm going to let you do that. So then Pharaoh makes Joseph second in command. He's 39 years old. Second in command over the entire kingdom. Oh, you are the man. Yes. That's why we pay you the big bucks. So he's second in command. I mean, I mean, talk about, he, he is second in command in the most powerful nation in the entire world. And the dream comes true. Seven years of, of harvest happens and they store up and prepare. And the rest of the nations around the world are completely out of food. And they all have to come to Egypt to get food from Egypt. And Joseph makes Pharaoh a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man. And he was already wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. And, and this scenario begins to play itself out. And this, and back to what we were talking about earlier. A lot of us look at someone that is successful and say, oh man, he's second. Dude, I wish I was Joseph. I wish I had his, his position. But the truth of the matter is, is that we don't want to go through these times right here in order to get in his position and I'm sure Joseph didn't realize what God was trying to teach him through these times but God taught him four major things he taught him how to win dependence on God he taught him how to be a man of character to do the right thing no matter what it costs you he taught him how to win relationships with others and he taught him and he taught him that if you run this pattern for life God will give you success and God did but it wasn't over then his brothers who are over, uh, over in the land um, of Canaan come back, uh, come, go to Egypt to get food. And they have no clue that Joseph is in the position that he's in. And so they come to Joseph and Joseph is like, uh, Joseph recognizes him. They don't recognize Joseph. Joseph could have killed them. These are his brothers. He recognizes them and he doesn't. And then Joseph makes this statement. It's such an amazing statement. He says this. He's like, he's like listen guys, what you guys meant for evil, God has worked out for good. Because God had raised Joseph up in there, they were able to move their family to Egypt. Joseph was able to take care of his family. They were able to move back years later. And this would be the nation of Israel in which the lineage to the Messiah, Jesus, would come from. That God sustained his people through Joseph. An incredible story. An amazing story. And we see all throughout this story the pattern in which God lays out for us to live our lives. This actually is what drove, this story drove PK to write the book, our senior pastor, The Home Run Life. It's all on the lessons that Joseph had to learn throughout his life to get to where he is. And he talks a lot in here, uh, a lot in the book about, you know, the truth that we run the bases the wrong way sometimes, right? I mean, sometimes we run to second base, we run to relationships. Sometimes we run to third base, we run to... We run to success and grades and, and college and, and all that kind of stuff. We put those things as priorities, sports, whatever it happens to be. But that there's a pattern for how you should run the base. In fact, I, I got a video. I think, I think we got the video. You guys got the video of, of the guy, uh, of, the, of, the, of the little boy running the bases? We got that? Awesome. Chase, yes. where are you running? Second base? All right. Where are you running? Pay attention, Natalie. First base? Nice go, 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 buddy, go. First base, Braxton, first base. Braxton, first base. Braxton, we've been practicing all week. <laughs> we 
we've been practicing all week. Dude, I love that, man. Man, that's how we, you know, PK is, you know, in, in his book, he talks about how, man, we do that in life. We run to the wrong base all the time. And so we're going we're gonna to discover over these next four weeks how to run the bases, what each base means and stands for. Next week, I'm going to talk about home plate. And that's what I'm telling you, you guys need to be here next week and bring people. Because it's going to be awesome. Now, to give you the rest of the overview on the home run life so that you get it, so that it, it's ingrained in your mind how this base thing works, how the pattern for living works based off of Joseph's life and, and based off of Romans 12, uh, verse 2, which says, Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. In other words, the world has a pattern in which it, it lives out its life, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that the world has a pattern and that God has a pattern, and you're to live by God's pattern. And PK uses the illustration of a baseball diamond, a baseball field to illustrate this and how we should run the bases. So I want you to check out this clip. Something as simple as baseball can be leveraged as a pattern to understand how God grows us up. Four bases. By the way, there are only four elements in everybody's life dream. It's the same for a believer or unbeliever. We're all trying to win the same things. And when you play baseball as a kid, there's four bases. And when you play in college, there are four. And when you play in the major leagues, there's four. It's not like there's six or seven in major leagues. It's the same bases. They just get more complex to get around. In fact, there are things that we know about baseball. You score only when you cross what? Home plate. Go with me on this. And when, and when you leave home plate and come back to home plate, you have to cover all three bases, which are first, second, and third. And if you skip a base, you're called what? And baseball is full of strikeouts but fresh starts. And what do they call it when you run to the wrong base? Little league. <laughs> it's the only time it's funny. When a four-year-old hits the ball and runs to third base, it's hilarious. Everybody laughs. If a major league player does that, it's not funny. It just shows he doesn't know what he's doing. He's thrown out. So what if there really is a pattern a game plan to the way God grows us up. Put this down in your notes. What if it all begins at home plate? Home plate is all about connect. Say it with me. Home plate is about what? Put that in your notes. It's about connect. And literally meaning this. Connect with your creator. Connect with God. Get on God's purpose by God's power. God put you here on purpose. God will give you power to accomplish why he put you here. So connect with him. And God's going to grow you through dependence. Because just like baseball, everything starts and ends at home plate. And the batter knows when he gets to home plate, my purpose is to get around the bases. I need power at the plate to pull it off. And by the way, I know many of you listening across the campuses. Many of you are spiritually unresolved. You're not even sure you believe in God. You're not sure you buy any of this. This is still your issue. You have to connect with how you got here, why you're here, and where you're going. Everybody does. And God in his love for you is inviting you to connect with him. He created you. He loves you. With great mercy, he opened a door for you to be restored to him through Jesus. Because when you connect with your creator, you connect to your purpose. You get his power. Life begins to make sense because life cannot start with you and it does not end with you. You're not the center. Home plate, connect. And it leads to first base. 
First base is character. Say it with me. First base is what? Character. It's, it's the personal base. It's where you win within. Now watch this. Many people, when they become new Christian followers of Jesus Christ, are all excited about I've been forgiven my sin. And it is awesome. I have the hope of eternal life. God's in me. I got a new life. Yes, you do. New creation, absolutely. And then we begin to pray, oh God, oh God, change everything around me. See, because now you're praying and you're like, I'm looking at what's wrong with my life and, and most of the problems are around me. So, oh dear God, change things around me. If you would change my job, that would be awesome. And if you would change my income, I need more. And if you would change my boss, need less of them. And if you would change my spouse, oh, I had no idea the baggage when I married them. <laughs> and would you change my kids? They got a lot of my spouse in them. I, I, did, I didn't know. And God, would you change my house and change my stuff? And, change, and, and we get all wrapped up in thinking that prayer is all about God demonstrating his power to change everything around us when the very first thing the power of God wants to do is change everything where? Within us. Because God wants to restore the character that's crashing because it's costing you the home run life. Second base is community. Second base is what? Home plate, connect, first base, character, second base, community. Say it with me. Home plate, connect, first base, character, second base, community. Look at it like this. What is the first and greatest command? Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love, that's home plate, and to love your neighbor, second base, as yourself, first base. In other words, love God, love yourself, love others. It's that simple. It's that profound. Third base is competence. Say it with me. Third base is what? That is the performance base. It's where you win results. And this matters greatly, but do you score when you get to third base? Do they give you a run ad in baseball when you get to third base? No. No more than in life is success at the end all. You have to bring it home to your God-created significance. Connect it to your God-designed purpose. Now watch this. If this is the way that God designed for us to grow up and have a home-run life, and there is a pattern to it, and the order matters then the question is, how does the world run the basis? Because if the world is the thing we should not conform to, what is the pattern of the world? The world runs the basis backwards. We live in a performance-driven culture that what matters most is what you do, what you achieve. It is all about career, money, and the like. We are under such pressure to perform in this world that we will tend to cheat under pressure all the other bases. We cheat our relationship with our marriage and our family and don't quite have the time to invest because we're all about performance and getting success. We cheat our character to get ahead. We don't have time for God. We cheat God in his time. We don't have time for worship on every seven days. Come on, I got a life to live. I got stuff to do. Time in Bible study and prayer. Are you kidding me? What's that connect with God kind of soft, ridiculous stuff? I don't need that in my life. And we cheat all the things. And what if, just what if, what if? Running the bases backwards and cheating the other bases is the very thing that is costing us the home run life. 
That is what Lewis. Man, that's so good. Let's give it up for our senior pastor just for bringing the heat. I wrote this down. I wrote this down about Joseph. He stepped up to the plate. He connected with God. He ran the bases. And God gave Joseph the future that he, God, wanted for him. He lived a life of significance, and we get to learn from his life thousands of years later. And so listen, the challenge that I want to throw out to you for these next couple weeks is this, is to be here every week, to commit to being here. Because I believe God wants to teach you something. I believe God wants to grow you up in, in your faith. And, and we're going to learn this through the pattern, uh, through the diamond, the baseball diamond. So I want to challenge you to be here every week. And I want to challenge you to try to bring somebody with you. you. Say, man, I don't know anybody. Get to know somebody this week so you can bring them with you. Because I believe God's going to do something big through this series. And there, there are many of you in here that, have, that are winning dependence right now on God. The first thing that you do and winning dependence with God is, is saying yes to Him. It's saying yes to Him. We talked about that in the worship series that we just finished. It's saying yes to Him. It is surrendering your life to Him. It is stop saying yes to yourself and saying yes to Him. And we have some students in here that have made that commitment, that have said yes to God.